You're listening to The CNC Report, a weekly media production of cncreport.com. During the week, I'm president of Pearson Industries, but for now, I'm your host, Jay Pearson. Hey everybody, welcome to The CNC Report. If you're joining us for the first time, maybe you've found us through iTunes or possibly through cncreport.com website. Maybe we hijacked your attention, like I say. And uh, we're glad to have you. And for those of you who are joining us on a regular basis, we really appreciate you coming back. We love your letters, by the way. Uh, the staff here at cncreport.com just love getting the encouraging uh, notes. And, and we even love the, the gnarly comments we get on some of our articles. We, we appreciate that, the free speech. Now, I did get a letter about a guy wanting me to, to uh, clarify what I said last week. I said, we appreciate your free speech, you know, through the comments, but we don't post all your comments because some don't make sense and some are inappropriate. That's true. I definitely need to clarify that. Now, the ones that we don't post are, they're just, I mean, some of them are vulgar, especially on the illegal immigration article. There's some gnarly stuff. The other stuff we don't publish is because it's, you know, sometimes you read it and you think, okay, they're just messing with us, you know, and maybe it's uh, uh, just maybe someone that just doesn't have a serious grasp of the English language and, and it just doesn't benefit the readers. And that's why we don't post stuff. But if it's a, a well-formed uh, articulate sentence or whatever, it's a paragraph, you're definitely going to get on the site. And even if it isn't that articulate or well-formed grammatically, but it has you know a decent thought behind it of course we'll post it so yeah it's that stuff that we feel is inappropriate or just doesn't benefit the audience because it's gibberish you know it's it's uh, almost rambling like a manifesto <laughs> at times that's the stuff so i'm glad i got a chance to uh, clarify that and thanks for writing in and asking me to clarify that as well i appreciate the constructive criticism okay on to this week's content um, in this episode, I'm going to cover the do's and don'ts of quoting. Now, I use MFG Quote as a buyer nowadays, and I do see a lot of quotes. So keep in mind that as we go through this list, uh, I'm really kind of gearing this towards the person that maybe does some online uh, quoting, that type of thing. But it's so easily transitioned. You can use, I think, all of these 10 points. Um, in in any in your everyday quoting um, now now I've put together the, the quoting do's and don'ts and I don't want you to think that they're rules but man I really hope I absolutely hope that they're gonna benefit your business so here we go top 10 quoting do's and don'ts number 10 don't create hurdles for buyers now this applies to like asking to fill out tax forms, trade references, credit references. You got to understand that it's a buyer's market, especially if you're doing online quoting. If it's a big company, you should assume that you're going to get paid. Smaller companies or startups, you may have to evaluate whether the anxiety of wondering if you're going to get paid is worth not asking for references. Now, maybe it's worth the risk of running their credit and having them go elsewhere, but a good customer, one that you want to establish a relationship with, will work with you and not dangle a carrot in front of you as leverage. And I do understand that that uh, things like filling out tax forms and eventually credit references, trade references, that type of thing, that that is necessary to a business, but you know what, save that till later. Put that off until you know you're you're 
asking them or you send them the invoice. Uh, get all that later. Don't have the buyer have to do any of that stuff. Let someone in, in the purchasing or maybe the secretary, whoever prepares the checks, let them deal with that. They're good at that. So that's all. Number nine, don't create hidden costs. For example, I'm looking at a recent quote here that I uh, that I received uh, uh, pretty pretty recently, and it says uh, it's it's got this line in it quote due to the volatility of the price of raw material we're obliged to quote price and effect at time of shipment material and or fuel surcharges may be applied at time of shipment end quote you know what that says to a buyer it says I'm gonna end up paying more. As someone who's quoting this, you'd probably be better off quoting the higher end of the cost and giving your buyer maybe a surprise refund when you invoice them. And that kind of leads me in to the related point, number eight, do give surprises. Now, one of my favorite and inspiring authors, Jeffrey J. Fox, said it best in his book called How to Make Big Money in Your Own Small Business. Let me read it to you. It's page 125 of his book. Customers love getting more than they pay for. Customers love getting something for free. Customers love getting a nice surprise. Customers love the restaurateur who occasionally sends over a drink on the house. Customers love the Cancun Mexico Resort Hotel that leaves a new and different seashell by the pillow each night. Customers love the haberdasher who slips a pocket silk into the breast of a recently purchased suit. Customers love the car wash that gives their dog a dog cookie. Customers love being treated as special. So give surprises. Give your customers surprise prizes. Cracker Jack built its brand with its famous surprise inside. McDonald's toy promotions sell millions of Happy Meals. With its terrific watches and other surprises, Lucky Charms cereal has become a sensation with the teenage market. Customers love getting a little extra. Customers love doing business with companies that are full of fun surprises. Be like the hairdressing salon in Farmington, Connecticut that lets each customer leave with a single red rose. The pharmacist who calls a mother to inquire about her child's fever stands out and gets all of that mom's prescriptions. That is marketing. That's loving your customers, loving your company, and building your business. Surprise your customer, and surprise, surprise, you will keep that customer. Customers are the source of big money. Now, that's the whole chapter right there. I love Jeffrey J. Fox's writing style. Direct, to the point, if I could give him a little plug at all, I would say go on to Amazon and buy any of his books. I've got all of them. Uh, one of my favorite authors. You know, as business owners, we don't have hours to pour through business books and improve that way. We need to like be able to sit down in the bathroom, read a chapter, and apply it that very same day. Okay, that's why I love Jeffrey J. Fox, one of my favorite business authors. Anyway, now back to the point. Um, this applies, uh, you know, giving surprises applies to lower pricing on your invoice, uh, to a few extra parts or, or free shipping, that, that type of stuff. That's where it applies. But one, one warning, make sure that you point out these freebies on your invoice or in an email or a call because you don't want your customer thinking you made a mistake and you can't manage your business. Let them know they're getting freebies. Number seven, do offer price breaks. Now, it seems obvious, but I get a lot of these. Now, when you quote the same price for 10 pieces as you do for 100 pieces, 
that tells me one or both of two things. Number one, I'm getting ripped off on the 100 piece price. Or number two, you don't know how to quote. And if you don't know how to quote, what other holes are there in your business? And do I really want to give you work and risk finding out what those holes are? I mean, basically, these are these are things that, that are running through my mind. Um, I had a vendor that gave great pricing and turned out great work. And I was hoping for a long relationship with them until one day I emailed over a purchase order and just didn't hear back from them. And I refaxed the PO over and they emailed me and said they're going out of business. Now, I kind of saw it coming because, first of all, they didn't give price breaks. I had to ask them for discounts and they said, oh, okay, you know. Um, the, the parts were good quality. They were delivered on time. But, man, the paperwork was always messed up. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. You may be really good at your craft of machining or manufacturing, whatever it may be. But businesses fail because the owners or the managers aren't good at business. So whenever you give a buyer any type of hint that you're not good at business, it's not good for you. And you might want to brush up on some of your business skills. Moving on. Number six. Do provide detailed info on your company. Now, this may apply best to those of you who are using mfgquote.com, but you know, imagine walking into a mall where the only thing you see in the store windows is plain walls with products sitting on it. Um, imagine if there were no logos, no um, smiling faces at the door, uh, no no merchandise heavy racks is just like one one jacket say for example that you couldn't even try on i mean that's not what a mall looks like there's variety there's colors there's logos there's image all those things are involved and it should be the same in our industry as well although we're not we're definitely not geared towards image in our industry but you need to make some type of effort let me break it down as a buyer, I want to see relevant photos. Now, when I say relevant, I mean photos of your machines, maybe several complex parts, inspection room photos, uh, overall or, or overview shop photos, and maybe maybe a photo of your staff and make sure they're smiling. Okay, uh, MFG quote on, on the profiles. They they give you three pictures. Make those three pictures count. I want to see. I don't want to see your company logo. I don't want to see a, an entire desk full of just parts that I can't see. Give me one detailed close-up view of a part, or maybe two parts next to each other. Stuff that I can go, wow, that is complex. I can appreciate that. Moving along, number five, do double-check spelling and your numbers, your math. Now, if you're making mistakes on the initial interaction with me, what does that tell me about our future interactions when it comes to shipping, billing, quality control, and so on? You know, I see so many quotes with wrong numbers and misspellings. You know, I received a quote recently that said, quality is what you will get. <laughs> yes, quality is what you get. Spell checking, however, is painfully absent. Uh, it's such a simple thing. Uh, do double check your spelling numbers. <laughs> Number four, don't try and change terms. Uh, now, I'm not just talking about net 30. I'm talking about all the terms that you agree to. If you want delivery in three weeks and you tell me it's five, just don't bother quoting. 
If I say that I'll pay you in net 30, don't ask for COD. If I order 50 pieces and you ship 58, don't expect and or demand payment. Um, it's It really is an ethics thing. Plus, you may complete this job, but you're seriously hurting yourself when it comes to receiving future work. And it goes both ways. So many times I'll say that I'm going to pay in net 15, and a purchase order will come in, and it'll say the terms are net 30. You just put off getting yourself paid for two weeks. So it does go both ways. Uh, number three, do not, oh, this is important, do not provide a quote if it doesn't make fiscal sense for you. Now, it seems simple. If you can't make money on a job, then why would you want to quote it low? I understand wanting to get your foot in the door. That, that's one reason. But don't spend your valuable time chasing bad work. Uh, if you do get the work, you might tie up machines and, and be unable to run work that is a moneymaker. Plus, plus, you're doing the entire industry a disservice by lowballing a quote to get your foot in the door. I mean, charge a fair price and let the chips fall where they may. No, no pun intended. Plus, by lowballing a quote, you may get the work but you're deceiving the buyer into thinking that these are your normal prices. One of my business standards is that if I feel a vendor is lowballing me and I see a significant jump in prices after a few jobs, they're done. That's it. Uh, you know, I'd rather find a new, new vendor that is conducting ethical business and charging consistent prices, even though they may be higher than others because I know that the, the unethical business practice of lowballing Though as a buyer I may have benefited from it, those lack of ethics may quickly turn and come back to bite me someday. It's, it's just not worth it to lowball it just to get your foot in the door and then upset buyers because you know as a buyer it, it takes a lot of effort to find a new quality supplier. You know, And once we think we got that magic supplier and they start bumping up the prices, it's like, oh, okay, well, they got me that way. I wonder how they're going to you know, get me in some other way. You know, I talked often about values and conducting ethical business, and, and this is an issue where you have the opportunity to do the right thing. Ethical business will always pay off in the end. Don't, don't ever forget that. I know it's a hard thing to live out, especially when you're losing work to other people that may be lowballing you, but you know, at the end of the day, you're going to sleep well knowing that you have no regrets, and hopefully day after day without regrets adds up to a lifetime without regrets. Now I'm getting a little preachy. Let's move on. And number two, do follow up on all correspondence. Uh, sometimes I call several new prospective vendors wanting to learn a little more about their company and, and sometimes I don't get a hold of them and, and have to leave a message, which is understandable. There's nothing wrong with that. But when it takes you three days, five days to get back to me or sometimes never, mm, big no-no. You can even follow up on quotes to see how you did. There's nothing wrong with that either. I always take the time to help those that have taken the time to quote my jobs. Uh, one word of caution, be tactful with your timing. I know sometimes I just can't afford to, to stop and go over quotes with a guy, especially in the morning when things are getting started. But be polite and set up a time to go over quotes with a buyer. Any company that you will want to establish a healthy working relationship with will take the time to help you out. It's, it's in their best interest to help you 
provide quality parts at a price that they're happy with. And finally, number one on the top 10 do's and don'ts of quoting, do not ever argue with the buyer if you don't win the contract. More so, this even applies if you do win a job and you have a problem down the road. Don't argue. As long as it's within your power, interact with each other's rationally and professionally should really be the rule of thumb. Uh, quick story. Several months ago, I walked into a vendor's shop to pick up some parts and to, to meet the staff. And when I approached the front desk, I rang the bell and this visually frustrated lady rounds the corner to help me. And I told her I was here to pick up some parts for Pearson Industries. And she, she all of a sudden just throws up her hands and shrugs her shoulders and, and, and says, I don't know anything about your parts. No one has told me anything. Well, I, <laughs> I rapidly realized that this woman would not be able to help me in a professional, rational way. So I politely asked her with a kind tone and sympathetic look on my face, is there someone else that could help me? Well, she, she says, yeah, I'll, I'll get the owner, uh, and she turns away. The owner comes out, greeted me with a handshake, a smile, all the necessary paperwork, and uh, you know, a calm demeanor. Uh, now, I'm not saying that the customer is always right because I've been on both sides of the uh, of the paper here. And, you know, sometimes as a buyer, I'm wrong. Uh, oftentimes as a supplier, I've been wrong. The point is not to always just bow down and kiss the behind of your customer because there's just some things that just need to be worked out in, like I said, a rational and professional manner. Now, if you can't solve them rationally and professionally, you might want to reconsider the relationship you have with that company or, or that buyer. Now, as a buyer, I try to give constructive feedback to every company that bids on jobs. If you get hot under the collar, don't call and argue. Because if you do, you will never, ever get a chance to quote on my work again. Besides, it's extremely unprofessional and bad business practice. There's a lot of frustrations and conflicts in business, but I've always been able to resolve conflict without letting emotions get too out of control. There's there's the caveat, okay? Uh, some conversations get the adrenaline flowing, but can always be calmly resolved through reason, you know, self-control, that type of thing. Let me get specific here. I had a guy call me recently and start to argue with me that he was giving me accurate prices even though I pointed out there was no price difference between the 50 pieces and 100 pieces. Sound familiar? It's uh, do and don't number seven. He went on to tell me that the cost of material was what made the prices the same because he was having to buy a full bar. He said that a, a 5 8 diameter round aluminum bar cost $175 even though he only needed three feet of it for the job and he had to charge me the whole amount. <laughs> I told him he was getting a really bad quote on material and within two minutes of ending our conversation, I found two online material suppliers, uh, you know, and they typically tend to be, especially when you're buying a short piece, uh, really expensive when you calculate per pound. Okay, so they, they quoted me two 36-inch pieces of material for anywhere between, I think it was 5 and $15. With shipping it and cutting, it came out to somewhere between $35 and $45 between these two suppliers. Now, he was either bad at business or lying to me. But either way, he was being confrontational. <laughs> he will never 
see another RFQ from me again, literally. Uh, this was a guy on MFGquote.com, uh, and, and uh, MFG.com has the ability to blacklist suppliers, so they don't even see your quotes. Well, guess what? He's, he's on that blacklist. The point is never argue. Never argue. That may be a hard line that I hold as a buyer, but it's just too competitive to be unprofessional in those manners. So that's it for my list of top 10 do's and don'ts of quoting. Let's do a quick recap. Number 10, don't create hurdles for buyers. Number nine, don't create hidden costs. Number eight, do give surprises. Number seven, do offer price breaks on different quantities. Number six, do provide detailed info on your company. Number five, do double check spelling and math, so important. Number four, don't try and change terms. Number three, do not provide a quote that doesn't make fiscal sense to you. <laughs> fiscal sense, common sense, go hand in hand. Number two, do follow up on all correspondence, even if you need to initiate a correspondence to you know, follow up and see, to see how you did on prices. And number one, do not argue with a buyer. There it is, five do's and five don'ts I sincerely hope they help you out and grow your business to be healthy, ethical, and profitable. Well, next week we get practical and we talk about some technology. We're not talking this theoretical stuff like this last show. We're talking shrink fit tool holding. And we'll be talking to some good old folks over at Technics about the technology and some of their products. Be sure and catch us Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Central for new episodes or any time from our archives at CNC Report. And you can always find us by searching iTunes as well. You can search my name, Jay Pearson, CNC Report, Machining, etc. One of those should make the program pop up. So thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to The CNC Report, a weekly media production found exclusively at iTunes and cncreport.com. Make sure and tune in next time for the latest topics that affect your world of CNC machining. I've been your host, Jay Pearson. Thanks for listening.